Honor AANHPI heritage, communities, and families today by getting vaccinated for a safer tomorrow. Vaccination greatly reduces your chance of having COVID symptoms like fatigue, pain, and memory problems that last for months. Protect your tomorrow with a vaccine today. Talk to a doctor if you have questions. Find vaccines and boosters near you at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Dr. Austin Chang. Dr. Chang is the first chief medical officer for the gastrointestinal business of Medtronic, the global leader in health technology. He is also currently an assistant professor of medicine at Jefferson Health in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and serves as the director of the endoscopic weight loss program and chief medical social media officer for the health system. Passionate about empowering patients with accurate medical information online, he is one of the most influential voices in the field of gastroenterology across multiple social media platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube with over 500,000 followers and over 130 million views. He spoke at South by Southwest 2021, and his role in social media has been featured by the New York Times, CNBC, and BBC News. He sits on the inaugural YouTube Health Advisory Board and in 2022, joined the White House Healthcare Leaders in Social Media Roundtable. Dr. Chiang, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have Austin Chiang. Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. So I've been following you on social media for a while now, and I love your content a lot. But I want to make sure that our audience gets to know who you are. So Austin, tell us about yourself. Oh my gosh, where do I start? (laughs) Well, I'm a physician first and foremost. I'm a gastroenterologist by training. So I treat conditions related to the gut and all the other organs related to the, to the digestive system, whether it's the liver, the pancreas and whatnot. But within that, I'm also, I have a subspecialty in advanced endoscopy. So I focus on more complex procedures. And then from there, so I kind of have an interesting hybrid career story, which maybe we can get into deeper, but I I'm not only an assistant professor of medicine at Jefferson Health in Philadelphia, where I kind of do my clinical practice, but I'm also the chief medical officer for the gastrointestinal business of Medtronic worldwide. And then outside of work, kind of my side gig is really a lot of social media related work, which I'm happy to talk about more as well. That is amazing, right? You embody the Asian hustle network. (laughs) mentality. (laughs) It was deeply ingrained in me, I'd say, from my parents, who, by the way, I should also mention, I am originally from Southern California, but moved to Taiwan when I was 10, where my parents still live. And I came back for college and beyond. And I can go through that really quickly. So I went to college at Duke in North Carolina, 
And then after that, went to med school at Columbia in New York. Also stayed on to do my internal medicine residency there before moving to Boston, where I did my gastroenterology fellowship, which is you know kind of the specialty training for this for three years uh, at Brigham and Women's Hospital, where I also got my master's in public health uh, from Harvard, and then finished my training in Philadelphia at Jefferson. So it was a total of, I want to say... 14 years or something like that after high school, 14 or 15 years. <laughs> Too oh long. Goodness. Oh my goodness. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. It's Thank you. so inspiring to hear that. And you, you definitely walked down the golden child path, right? <laughs> but I think in retrospect, it looks like that. But, you know, it was along the way, there was a lot of frustration, as you can imagine. And yeah, you know, a lot of expectations. <laughs> yeah, let's quickly sure. talk about that too. Like talking yeah. about your personal expectations and your parents' expectations. How were you able to manage both of them and still become the person that you are today? You know, I think that there definitely was a lot of parental pressure. Um, I grew up in a family where my grandfather was a surgeon back in the World War II era. He unfortunately passed before I was born. And then, but there were several physicians in my family from the generation above mine, as well as my own. And, um, and so there was always kind of that lingering in the background. But, but I'd say that ultimately, when I was evaluating a career path, it was really the combination of my interest in science and kind of what my parents instilled in me and the opportunities they gave me as a kid, volunteering and kind of helping people out to combine those two and, and really feel that that was truly a good personality fit for me. And so, you know, I came, they kind of gave me the, the space to make that decision for myself, but, but yeah, I think it was a product of also my environment of who I was surrounded by, you know, going to school, interestingly, at middle school and high school in Taiwan, where I went to the international school there, one of the international schools. And, and, you know, I think that being in that environment really drove me to do better because I felt the pressure just from my peers to do better. And so, yeah, it was a a bit of parental pressure plus internal expectations for myself. And to this day, I think that both continue to drive me to a certain extent. Just by talking to you during this podcast, I already feel pushed. I'm like, oh no, like now, now oh, I'm no in my life. <laughs> I, I don't want that to become a thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But man, it's it's so inspiring hearing you walk through that path and still like do the things you like to do, right? What does your day to day look like? I would imagine <laughs> like you have so much going on, right? And yet you still find time find time to like respond to my emails. Like walk us through like a day in life in Austin's life. You know, right now it's particularly busy because I'm juggling arguably, you know, a job and a half. And, and so it does come with a good amount of sacrifice. I must say like, this is not, it might look nice from the outside, but there's a lot of, you know, personal life that I'm putting aside for the moment. I think that I just started the Medtronic role about six months ago. So I told myself that, well, I really wanted to make a strong first impression and, and, you know, put in the hustle a little bit, and then we'll see after things kind of stabilize, then maybe I'll find some more time for myself. But yeah, day in the life right now, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of Zoom meetings and, and it's very different. You know, the days that I spend working in my Medtronic, you know, with my Medtronic hat on is very different from when I'm in the hospital. So in the hospital, I'm seeing patients, you know, either in an office setting for the entire day or during procedures for the entire day. And, and so it's very fast paced and kind of just 
you know, a grind from the moment you step into the hospital until you leave. And then, you know, with the Medtronic job, it's a little more flexible. And because my role is not really defined within a function, I, I oversee medical education and, you know, clinical sales training and physician engagement, but I'm also myself involved in business development and kind of talking to startup companies or involved in helping out with clinical research and, and marketing efforts. But it's all, you know, there are teams devoted to each of those functions. So I just kind of put my own two cents in here and there for those efforts. So it's it keeps things exciting and fun because it's never just a one track kind of job. And the travel a lot is to, you know, have meetings with physicians and institutions and practices out there. And it's nice because a lot of these people happen to also be my friends who, you know, I have, haven't had a chance to catch up with in person because of the pandemic. So it's nice to finally see them. Wow. That's, it sounds, sounds very busy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, not going to lie about that. <laughs> yeah. So I fully believe that the person that we are today is a person that we see that has put in years and years of work in their craft and not only their craft, but their, you know, personal development, right? I mean, can you talk through like the habits that you have that helped you become the person you are today? Did you have a morning routine? Did you wake up with affirmations or, you know, we need a system, right? As human beings, like we need a system to, to propel us forward and achieve our goals, right? Especially someone like you, where in my opinion, you're, you're a super overachiever, right? Like how can someone just starting out, let's say if they're like in college or early college or early career, prep, prepare themselves to become like where you are today? You know, I wish I had a really attractive system to share with everyone to say that I woke up and had a, a very regimented routine because I often do hear that people who are successful have a very set kind of routine and that kind of reflects their discipline. I think for me, growing up, I do feel like there was a lot of structure in, in what I did. You know, I think part of what my parents instilled in me and, and what they had me go through was a lot of, you know, I played the violin growing up, just like a lot of other people. And, and that was a very disciplined kind of structure, like at practicing every day and, you know, preparing for certain things. But now that I'm here at this stage in my career, I, I think what I learned, especially being in medicine, really is prioritization, because just when you think that you're so busy, you know, in med school, your responsibilities shift after that. And, you know, especially when you're in the hospital, doing your clinical work, taking care of patients, there's just things being thrown at you from all different directions without with very short notice. And, and you kind of have to learn to prioritize you know, what is most pressing in that moment. And, and I think I've become pretty good at that because, you know, I feel like a lot of people out there maybe have like this first in first out mentality. And for me, it's just, it's a constant prioritization. So when you talk about the email that you sent me, you know, I knew like, okay, this is something that, that I should jump on now that I feel like, especially when I have a moment in time, you know, with, within the several weeks, I feel like, okay, now the timing is right. I should just you know, handle this now rather than I know maybe in two or three weeks, things may seem open, but if I'm not able to commit, if I commit to something, then it may, things may change. And so, so that's how I sort of approach it, but it might not be right for everyone. And I think that that's also really important to consider is that 
we all have a different situation and different needs and, and priorities. For me, my priority right now, especially being somebody who's single, who's flexible to travel, is just like myself and my career. And that's not the case for everyone. So I can't really say that that, that will work for everybody. That is a really, really good tips, right? I think you're right. A lot of things in life is funny. There's always going to be time, in my opinion, no matter how busy you are. It's just a matter of perspective and like priorities, right? What's most important to you? What was most urgent? Just recognizing those patterns, right? Yeah. Understanding that once you recognize those patterns, you'll find actionable steps that will propel you forward no matter how busy you are. Definitely. And, and I know, I think that, you know, along the way, a lot of friends and colleagues have always told me about, you know, having to learn how to say no, and I'm still learning how to do that. But what I do think I... And maybe subconsciously, I'm doing that already. It's just that I will, you know, agree to do things or be mindful about how I spend my time towards things that I really feel are going to serve the purpose of whatever my objective is and not be too sidetracked. But yeah, it can be very difficult. That's that's adding one more element. You're a social social media superstar with like over 500,000 subscribers, right? How do you find time for that too? (laughs) It's going to blend it into like, I got to give our listeners perspective. I'm like, yeah, you basically have two jobs. You're a doctor. You went to 14 years of school and you are a online social media content creator. Yeah. Walk us us through that. (laughs) Well, I'll say that my initial approach was really to combine it, combine my interest in social media with my actual kind of role and job as a doctor. So initially, if I was kind of using social media aimlessly and not productively, then I do think that it would be a giant time sink. But I think I was actually leveraging social media towards my academic goals at one point. So when I first started, my whole social media journey was born out of this desire to combat misinformation online and recognizing that as a doctor, you know, I was trained to talk about certain things that, that if I wasn't there to talk about it, other people would kind of make things up and come up with all sorts of random theories, which we're seeing a lot these days. But back then, about a decade ago, you know, I decided to, you know, really switch over from a personal to a professional social media presence and over the years have, you know, kind of adopted different platforms, you know, starting from Twitter, then Instagram, then YouTube and TikTok and whatnot. But I had been faced with some resistance at the beginning, especially because people didn't quite understand the role of social media and healthcare. And I was actually advised by one of my mentors to make it a academic focus. So I started doing, I started researching social media and how it intersects with healthcare, publishing on it, actually making it, you know, an academic pursuit. And that then led me to start a nonprofit professional society called the Association for Healthcare Social Media, which then allowed me to, you know, work with the social media platforms directly more closely. And and currently I serve on the YouTube Health Advisory Board. And, you know, there are a lot of their efforts are focused on misinformation now. And then from there, you know, gained a little more attention and was able to participate in certain media opportunities. And so it became a whole thing much bigger than I ever anticipated. But I think part of it initially was that I I made it an academic kind of pursuit. But I'll say that kind of on the topic of prioritization, I realized that now that I'm working this job and a half, that the one thing that will probably have to take a back seat is social media. So in a way, it's good for my mental health because I'm doing it on my own terms now. <laughs> and I'll do it when I have time, when I feel like it, when I actually feel like I have something 
important to say, or if I feel like I just want to, you know, do something for fun. And it wasn't always that way. I think at one point I was chasing some sort of algorithm or chasing some sort of, you know, product with social media that caused a lot of frustration. But now I'm able to just say like, you know what, this is really definitely secondary to everything else that I'm doing. And that balance has sort of found itself. Yeah, that's really good perspective too, right? Because the social media gig can get really unhealthy really fast. Definitely, yeah. It changes so quickly. You have to be always on the next trend, talking about the right thing, saying the right things, doing the right videos. It it, it goes on and on. So I'm really happy to hear that you are putting yourself first, right? And taking care of your mental health. And speaking of mental health, I am pretty big on mental health, right? Do you like have any sort of meditation practices that you practice daily? What do you do when you get overwhelmed, right? What do you do when you have bad days? Like, I just want to hear more about that. Yeah, you know, so I'm the type of person who doesn't like to bottle up my emotions. So I will definitely reach out to friends and family in that in those situations. And again, I know that that's not necessarily how everyone would approach it. But I'm pretty much an open book with people who, you know, with a select number of friends who I really trust. And and I think that letting that out is important because, you know, for whatever the case might be, sometimes others have shared the same experiences before and can commiserate and provide guidance. And I am very grateful to have those people in my life who I can lean on in those situations. But, but, you know, I don't have any sort of structured kind of meditation ritual or, or something like that. Although I do hear a great amount of benefit from, you know, those types of activities and, and kind of wish that I could learn more about that. And yeah, you know, I do the things that I enjoy and, you know, take time for myself and prioritize, you know, sometimes I just feel like I have to drop everything and just take the time for myself and do something I enjoy, whether it's go eat something that I like, or, you know, watch something on Netflix. And, you know, I don't let work consume my life 100%, you know? Yeah, I think it's good for all of us to hear that too, because like, from an outside perspective, when we look at you, it's like, you must have all these things down, but listen to your story, listen to your talk. It's, it's very relatable because a lot of us feel that way, right? So sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. We judge ourselves really, really harshly. Like maybe I'm not doing this because I'm not doing that, right? But I think that listen to your story and see how much you achieved so far in the last like, you know, 14 years, 15 years. It's insane, right? Well, and I think that I, I can't take credit for everything myself either. I think that I've had a lot of support along the way. You know, I've had mentors and people who have really given me opportunity. And and sometimes there is a matter of luck. And I know that there's that saying out there that says that, you know, whatever it is, like luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. And and in some ways I've been, you know, just I, I realize that I am so, so fortunate to have been given some opportunities because I had, you know, people who believed in me, people who, you know, noticed me when, you know, when if I didn't come across some of these people, I would never have had those opportunities. So, you know, I think that to a certain extent, I think working hard is definitely an ingredient in this whole recipe. But I think also, you know, taking the time to get to know people and to, you know, I don't want to say network because I feel like some of the opportunities I've gotten have not been a product of like networking per se, but just, you know, just genuinely wanting to meet people and get to know people and uh, taking an interest in other people. 
Awesome, awesome. And Austin, what is next for you? What is the next evolution of Austin <laughs> Chang? I'm curious myself. Oh, that's a really great question. You know, I, I think I've gotten to where I am today without being too structured in how I plan my future, I'd say. You know, I think I'm intentional with everything I do, but I don't, you know, I don't really adhere too much to like, okay, this is definitely my 10-year plan because I wouldn't have been gotten here if I was kind of, if I had my blinders on like that. I've been open-minded, a lot of opportunities and, you know, I've been open to taking risks. And so I can only imagine, you know, a couple of years down the road, what I might be presented with. And, you know, part of why I decided to kind of pivot a little bit with my career and take the Medtronic job when I was offered it was because I recognized that there may be more opportunities as a result. And so, you know, I'm open to everything <laughs> and we'll see where it takes me. And, you know, I, if you asked me five years ago, if I would have imagined being here today, the answer would definitively be no. So I'm just going to keep an open mind and just see where things take me. I like that. I like the mentality a lot. And, you know, I hope that you end up starting like a blink empire in Philadelphia, because I, I definitely want to watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so as our listeners know, at the beginning of our podcast, this episode is promoting the HHS COVID-19 public education campaign. And we're excited to bring, you know, have Austin talk about the misinformation and talking about getting vaccinated and the benefits of getting vaccinated against COVID, right? Yeah. And honestly, I couldn't think of a better person to ask to come on the podcast to speak about this besides you, because your content is based upon this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, at one point, definitely, especially at the height of the pandemic, I think I was speaking about this a lot because I felt obligated, you know, to um, speak from the perspective of a health professional and what we see in the hospital, because it's often behind closed doors. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, theories, conspiracy theories out there and whatnot about all of this. And, and it's, and from someone who's actually taking care of patients, I, I think that it was important for us to speak out. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very interesting that, you know, in, talking about this a lot that it ultimately landed me on the front page of the New York times at one point, the day that the first vaccine was rolled out and the headline was about how I would talk about this on TikTok. I admittedly talk a little bit less about it now. It's been a while, you know, obviously the pandemic has been going on for, or for a minute now, but yeah, there's a lot of misinformation circulating out there. And I would just say, you know, be careful about who you trust online and really double and triple check to make sure that they have the credentials to talk about the things they talk about. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances about this. And I also, you know, kind of along the lines of keeping an open mind, you know, the way science is, I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize that science is constantly changing and we can only operate on the best data that we have available. And if we find new things down the road that lead us to believe otherwise, then we will change our strategy and our recommendations, but things will change over time. And we just kind of have to, to roll with it. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, myself, I have been vaccinated, boosted, you know, the recommendations may change down the road as we see new variants and new, you know, developments evolve. But I do still think that it's the best course of action to prevent severe disease as a result of the virus. And, and, you know, it doesn't prevent 
you from getting the virus. It just minimizes the effects of it. And, you know, especially now with kind of impending surge, it seems it's really important that we protect ourselves and those around us too. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, right? I think now that most mass mandates are, you know, pretty lenient now and you don't see a lot of people wearing it, to be honest. And I find myself not wearing sometimes too. Like, oh no, I forgot my mask. Oh, whatever. Right. But I know that it's still very important for us to stay safe out there because this virus is still very much real. It is still very much here. Right. Out of curiosity, what kind of misinformation have you heard about the vaccines before? Because I think the funniest thing I heard early on was there's government chips inside the vaccine shop and they can track your every movement and thoughts. I'm like, that's pretty futuristic way of thinking about vaccines. Yeah, I made <laughs> I made a TikTok about that actually like early on because I just thought it was so ridiculous. And you know, I think that look, I think that there is there is a healthy dose of skepticism that everyone can have, you know, it, I think it's always good to again double and triple check everything that you're reading. But at a certain point like we you know, there are experts out there who are the people who talk about or who have done the research and who you know are actively involved in the development of of the vaccines and whatnot we have to trust you know otherwise like there's a certain degree of trust that we have to do to exercise for everything that we do and uh, yeah that is like one of the most ridiculous ones i must say but at the same time i think it was easy easier to dispel i'm sure there are people out there who still believe that but but you know there's a lot that, especially on social media, we see a lot of really random things. That, what's, what's the most that, random yeah. thing you saw? <laughs> I mean, probably that one, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, there's also things that, you know, I think the biggest concern is that there are all sorts of random side effects that people attribute to vaccines. And a lot of this is not based off of any data. It's anecdotal. It's, you know, you know based off of faulty reporting. And, and you know, it's kind of can be scary because it's sometimes hard to disprove as well but and you know it's you know there there's there needs to be a basic understanding of how the science works like how these sorts of vaccines are made as well that i think we could do a better job with messaging but but yeah i think that you know we hopefully will um we'll see that people are understanding of this i think that i come from a different perspective having I actually was in Taiwan when SARS hit back my, my senior year in high school, which I might be dating myself a little bit here. But I think that plays into why there's cultural differences in how we approach the pandemic too. You know, like the mentality that people have approached the pandemic with abroad seems to be pretty different than here. And, you know, mask wearing and whatnot, it's, it's kind of like why not over there versus here? It's like, why should we? (laughs) And, you know, we'll see. I think that hopefully we can learn, all learn from this experience so that the next pandemic, whenever it happens, because we all know that it's bound to happen at some point in the future again, we're better prepared. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think I I saw like a, a speech by, I think Bill Gates or something. He was saying that the scary thing about this pandemic is that one, it showed us how underprepared we are for a pandemic. And two, that moving forward, because of globalization, all these trade things, that the pandemic situation for other viruses are going to break out in a more frequent basis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it also shows how important kind of communicating 
and messaging and media plays into a public health response. You know, it's it's fascinating, like in this day and age, how that really can drive public opinion. And to think that, you know, especially we just hit the 1 million person milestone where there's been a, hundred, a million people in the U.S. who've died of the, of the virus. And I feel like there's been, you know, very little coverage about this or, or, or that there's been kind of this indifference to the whole thing. And I get it. People are tired of it. Like, I'm tired of it, too. Like, who isn't? But, but one can only hope that, yeah, in the future, you know, we are more prepared. And, and I know that there are efforts to prepare for the next one. But my understanding was that even going into this one, we had a plan, but it just wasn't very well executed. So hopefully, you know, if it's during our lifetime, we all you know, can remember what's, what happened here so that we have a better plan. Definitely. It's, it's this, this segment is paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. <laughs> Go get vaccinated. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I, I think it, by the way, I think it's great that they are, you know, doing this sort of outreach because clearly they value, you know, the voice of you and all of us, you know, kind of a grassroots sort of community type way of approaching it. And, and, you know, ultimately, Health and Human Services, we depend on them, you know, like they really dictate everything that we do in healthcare and and they do a good job in a lot of ways in regulating it. So, you know, it's something that, that I obviously care deeply about is how healthcare functions and how we make sure people get the right treatment and right prevention and, and whatnot when it comes to their daily lives. Yeah, I could agree more. And Austin, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You are a mega overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to be, but <laughs> honestly, it's it's awesome to hear your story. Thank you so much on your thoughts and feedback on getting boosted and vaccinated as well. We could have found a more qualified person to come to the podcast. We appreciate you so much in your time. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course. So one last question, Austin, how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you online? I am very easy to find on the internet. It's basically my name, Austin Chang, MD. That's my handle basically on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok. What am I leaving out? (laughs) But I'm pretty easy to find and, you know, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Of course. So we'll leave all that in the show notes. Austin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.